I don't know whether you've ever uh, had one of those invitations to a wedding or something similar, and it seems like everybody else at the event knows everybody and is entirely comfortable with kind of going around the room chatting, uh, but you are the only one that knows the person that you've invited. You don't know anyone else in the room, and so after you've kind of said hi at the door to them, you kind of prop the bar up and uh, think, well, how long... You know, if you've got the energy, you go and do the room, but then you prop the bar up and think, well, you, well, you kind of feel a loss and adrift. Ever been to one of those? Folks, that's the story of Exodus. You know, going to a place and thinking, I feel out of sorts. I feel like a foreigner in my own land. What is going on? I don't feel at home. Someone rescue me. Someone come and talk to me, please. And as we uh, look at Exodus over the course of this term, one of the reasons for doing so is that actually what it does is it helps us to find and understand our place in the world. If you need a little bit of a background, uh, it goes something like this. The story starts way back in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, when Abram is called and God says that he will bless him and make him into a great nation. And then the covenant uh, in Genesis chapter 15, and uh, that comes with both good news but also bad news. The bad news for Abraham is that he will, his descendants will be mistreated and enslaved, but they'll come out of that season with a great number of possessions. But then, unfortunately, Abram takes things into his own hands and uh, he, has a ser- he has a baby with his servant, Hagar. Things don't go very well. And then, finally, Isaac is born to Sarah. She has, uh, uh, Isaac has Jacob and Esau and Jacob is the one that has 12 sons, which I was trying to illustrate with a little bit of bits of paper cut out. And they are the ones uh, who end up in Egypt Joseph has gone ahead of them. Uh, they tried to kill Joseph because he was the one that had great, amazing dreams but didn't kind of share them very well. And his brothers had had enough of him, so took him out. Uh, and they lost courage in the end and sold him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. His dad believes he's dead. And uh, he then gets uh, promoted in Egypt. So he's running the whole country. He has been charged with running the whole thing to save enough food in the years of plenty so that when the famine comes, they'll be okay. And the famine does come. And all of his family go to Egypt begging for food and then they discover that it's Joseph and then all the brothers come and they're reconciled and they all come and live in the land under the protection of Joseph just like the dreams had told And his dad comes as well. But time goes on. A new pharaoh comes. That generation dies out. They've grown so uh, plentiful. They've been so fruitful uh, that the new pharaoh is worried that they're going to take over the land and that they'll cause all sorts of problems. So the whole people get enslaved and set to work but they still grow and they're still fruitful, so it's not enough. And then, you know, one of those really hard stories of the Bible, uh, the Pharaoh says, well, you know, the midwives are going to have to kill each newborn baby boy. We read those things and we're like, what's going on? But they 
They fear God and they don't do it. So Pharaoh makes the plan even more specific. The new babies are to be thrown into the Nile. But one mum decides to do things differently and puts the baby in this little reed basket and sets it down uh, at the edge of the water knowing that the princess, as the little girl shared with us this morning, the princess is just about to come and bathe in the water and the child might get rescued. Interesting little side note. The word for basket is the same as the word for ark. You know, God's saving hand at work. These little pictures throughout Scripture. God's saving hand at work. This little baby is going to be rescued so that through him, God can rescue the whole nation. The princess wants the baby to live, so he's rescued But even better, the mum is called in not only to feed Moses, but to raise him. And then when he gets older, he goes and lives with the Pharaoh and kind of gets adopted into the family. As we look at this story over the course of this term, what I hope is it's going to help you to realise how we are as a church family in this day and age. I hope that it will help us to be a church on the way and that you'll see the links between uh, the way, the, the promise that God has given us and the elements of it that have been fulfilled and those other bits that we don't yet see. You see, we find ourselves in a land that is not our own. We are a people who have become citizens of heaven, yet we still walk the earth we're in a foreign land we have the promise but we've not yet seen all of the fulfillment of it this is the now and the not yet of the kingdom and in Exodus we get introduced to these massive themes that are so rich in our Christian faith of promise of redemption of salvation Well, Moses carries on and he grows up in the Pharaoh's household as his son. And then one day he's he's going through the land and he sees one of his own. He knows his heritage. He sees one of his own being bullied by an Egyptian. I love the way in Exodus it just says he he kind of looked this way and went, you know, he he checked out the surroundings, see if it was going to be all right. And then he takes the guy out. I mean, that's putting it mildly. He kills him and buries him in the sand. It's a very physical act. You know, the problem, the problem is, is that Moses is ahead of what God has called him to do. God has called Moses to be the one that is going to set the people free. He's not had the words yet, but it's already in his heart. And so when he sees something that's wrong, he tries to step into it and take action. But this was not how it was supposed to be. And you know, that's the problem that we have. God speaks things over our lives. He calls us into things. He gives us passions and hearts for things. And so often what we can do is we can step into that by ourselves and try to make this stuff happen. And so often we're clumsy with it. 
We take things into our own hands rather than trust God. We can even use the things that God is calling us to for ill or even for evil rather than good. Before I went off to um, vicar school, I was doing uh, youth work for the local church. The previous guy had been uh, full-time and paid, and I was doing it after um, a long week working uh, on, on the phones and trying to sell stuff. Um, and I was getting this real sense that God was calling me to some kind of full-time Christian ministry. Let me qualify that the way that I understood that that would work was that he might call me to be a policeman or a teacher or something, but that whatever it was, I was going to be full-time for him. And I was trying to figure out what it was, and then this this job came up with a local charity, and I was like, this is it, this is the job, this is this is the heart that God has put, I've got to do this. And so I applied for the job, and, and they were very gracious, and they interviewed me, and I went in completely confident that this was the job for me, and I was just about to step into the things that God had called me to do. Come on! About three questions in, I was in tears and had fallen apart. You know, it's really, it's a great way to try and get a job. <laughs> I was just in bits. You know, I mean, it really was quite embarrassing, actually. Um, but what I, I, I was, I, it wasn't that I wasn't hearing God. I was hearing his heart for what he wanted me to do. But I was trying to make it happen in my own. I was trying to grab hold of it. To do it in my own strength. Well, the word gets out that Moses has done away with someone. The Egyptians are talking about it and then Pharaoh knows about it. Pharaoh wants to kill him. So Moses does the thing that any self-respecting man should do in this situation. He runs away to the hills. Legs it, gets out of there completely. And he comes to this well and there are these women Draw, trying to draw water there to, to have enough water for them and their flocks. But the other shepherds come in and they, you know, they're, they're obviously, you know, not behaving well. Moses steps in again. He protects the women. But more than that, he draws the water so that the women can drink and so that the flocks can drink. You see, this this call that Moses had is hardwired. He's not even had the burning bush experience. That's for next week. And already, God is doing this in him. He's the one that's going to see the injustice and try and set it right. Only this time, you know, it goes slightly better in that he doesn't actually kill anybody. Well, I mean, the text doesn't mention explicitly the... He doesn't mention that he killed someone. I presume if he'd killed someone, it would have said he did away with all the shepherds. But he just, you know, he sorted them out. Which is good. This is an improvement. He's making progress in terms of learning what it means to follow God. In fact, he's making really good progress because he's learning to be a servant. He doesn't just protect the women. What he does 
is he draws the water for them. He serves them so that they can have a drink. Well, great news. The women go away. They've done them what they needed to do for the day. And they return to their father. And the father's kind of like, how come you're home so early? And they're like, oh, this Egyptian uh, came and drew the water for us and he protected us from the shepherds. And the dad at this point is going nuts. He's like, what? And, and you've left him where? Why did this man rescued you and you've left him by the well? I've got seven of you to try and marry off and you've left a perfectly respectable Egyptian by a well. Come on, girls. Work with me on this. He doesn't actually say that in the text. But that's what I'm taking from it. I, I encourage you to wrestle with it and see if you can find that in there or not. Hold that bit really lightly. I guess that some kind of conversation... Because... He does get invited back. And he does get married. And the bumps that he's run into before become a bump of his own. And a child grows. You see, in this place where he identifies himself as a foreigner in a foreign land, in this place of grief, there is also grace. In this place of grief, there is also grace. You know, we can operate in one of two ways. We can operate in a place of grief, or we can operate from a place of grace. You know, life, life is hard. Bad stuff happens. People get ill and die and they die too young or too soon. People lose jobs. People get overwhelmed with life and become unwell and our minds get tired. And when it's like that, we look at life and we, and we think it's all going wrong. I don't like where I am. I can't see God at work. I'm feeling overwhelmed and oppressed. And if we operate from that place, what we end up doing is grabbing a hold of stuff and trying to fix our way out of it. But even in the places where it's tough, we can instead operate out of a place of grace. This is the journey that Moses is learning. Learning to see God's hand at work, even in the mess. Learning to see his provision and step into that, rather than grab hold of things for ourselves. To join in with the flow of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've, I've, I've asked you this morning to, to be the kind of folks that will just take a risk and invite someone to Alpha. If you read the blog post that I've, that I've written this week, and you, you can get a paper copy on the way out of the door if you're, if you're not yet connected to the interweb. Um, one of the things that I say in there is, is invite people, but please don't bash them over the head with the Bible. Okay? You know, God doesn't need you to be a superhero and go and annoy every person in Western to come on Alpha. He doesn't need you to do that. Do you know what he needs you to do? He just needs you to operate from a place of grace and be willing to stand there and go, Lord, is there any one of my neighbours you want me to invite? And to be obedient in that. 
You know, I, I, I fess up, I missed the opportunity on Thursday, on Friday morning in Lidl. I bumped into this guy that had come to uh, one of the carol services. I'd got talking to him, and I bumped into him again, and it was like, I remembered his name as well. Come on. And then after, after he had gone, I was like, oh, I should have invited him to Alpha. So I prayed while I was still in Lidl, and I haven't had the answer to the prayer yet. I said, Lord, if I get the chance, I'll invite him to Alpha. If you set that up, I'll invite him. And I, I just hope I got a week, I got a week and a half to bump into him. Come on. I won't announce his name because it gets posted on the web. But you know who you are. You're invited. Um, we can operate from a place of grief or we can operate from a place of grace. You know, we have, we have arrived in the fullness of the kingdom of God. We have accessible to us so much of the goodness and the grace and the healing and the presence of God. Yet at the same time, we live in a foreign land where there's still struggle, where there's still pain, where things are still going wrong. We're not yet at the place where every tear has been wiped away where there's no more pain, where there's no more death, where there's no more dying. It's coming, but it's not here yet. And until then, we have to learn to walk as Moses did, trying to see where God's hand is at work and joining in, rather than taking things into our own hands. And so I I want to ask you this morning, what is God calling you to? You know, what what are those passions that he's set upon you those gifts that he's given you those things that about the way that you see the world that that God wants to work through you and what are you doing about it you know are you are you ignoring it are you kind of like no do you know what I'm just going to get through to retirement and then get the pension and we'll just sit tight and settle down and everything will be fine You know, you might be ignoring it this morning. You know, God, God might have been speaking to you over decades about stuff. And sometimes that's about stepping into something big. Sometimes it's about just being the person that God has called you to be in whatever your job is. Even if you work at a bank. I know God wants to work with you through ordinary, everyday banking jobs. Not like robbing banks, that's a different thing altogether. Don't get God involved in that. He's not going to support you in it. At home with your kids. If you're ignoring it, if you're ignoring his still small voice, let today be the day where you say, okay Lord, whatever you're calling me to, I'll step into that, I'll follow you. And for one or two of you, I think maybe that might be, might be quite a painful thing, might be a courageous thing to step back into that. And maybe you need to hear that, you know, God's not going to pass you by. He's patient and he, and he is faithful and those things he's spoken over to you, over you, he will do. Or maybe you've been taking it into your own hands and you're finding it frustrating and annoying. You know, one of the, uh, what time is it? 
I need to land. Um, one, of the th- one of the things about you know, being able to measure the litmus test for you serving God, okay, is are you joyfully serving God or are you being a grump? Okay? You know, if you're being a grump and if you're like, oh man, there's no one else helping with this. I am, I've got anyone to come on. This is so irritating. If only everybody could see it like me. If only Mark could see it like me and come on. And then everything would be fine. Why is it, you know, if that's your heart, you're pushing too hard. Stop it. Chill out. Breathe. Get out of the, gra- the grief cycle and s- open your eyes and see what he is already doing. Join in with that. You'll, you'll find it a lot easier. <laughs> if you're taking it into your own hands, it's time to stop. And if you're seeing some of the fruit, bless you, keep going. Come on. Keep on going. Whatever God has called you to do. Will you stand? I'm going to pray. And can we have the band back up? I just want to pray for you uh, where you are. You know the wonder I love I love looking at Old Testament books because they give you these kind of they give you these great big stories and in them there are just these rich truths about what it means to follow Jesus. So as we go through Exodus, you know it's it's not going to be a history lesson, folks. I hope every passage will kind of grab your heart and help you to follow.